entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and my, I am co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is a leading provider of lines of credit to small businesses. Our line of credit program is fast, easy, inexpensive, and it costs nothing to set up, making it a great cash backup plan. I can't tell you how many times in my career I was happy that I had a line of credit in place. Uh, if you would like to learn more about our line of credit program, please visit us at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Or give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember the time to set up your credit line is now before you need it. So when you do need it, it's ready to go. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Charles Reed from Get Payroll. Charles is a certified public accountant, U.S. tax court practitioner, a member of the Internal Revenue Service Advisory Council, and the founder of Get Payroll. Mr. Reed's companies have provided full-service payroll services, payroll tax services, and other payroll-related services since 1991. Charles is an accomplished senior executive and entrepreneur with more than 50 years of financial leadership experience and a broad range of industries and the author of four books, with the, with the most recent one being The Payroll Book, A Guide for Small Businesses and Startups. Charles, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Stephen, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So today's topic is that the topic sentence is uh, it's kind of, it's, a, it's a little aggressive, but it certainly catches people's attention, especially if you're you're kind of involved with an IRS, the IRS. But today's topic is how your business can beat the IRS. But before we even get to that, Charles, maybe we just maybe you could tell us a little bit more about you and your firm and your experience. Sure. Uh, I'm an old Midwestern boy. Uh, after high school, became a U.S. Marine, um, spent four years in that, came back, got married, went to school, got my degrees, went to work for business. Here about 30 years ago, I got tired of corporate life and decided I'd start out on my own. And my wife and I started this business 30 years ago, uh, 30 years ago. And uh, we service small business. Uh, the under 50 employee market is, is our target market, but we service clients of all sizes. Uh, we provide payroll services, uh, direct deposits, checks, debit cards, all those kinds of things. Uh, pay all the taxes, make all the deposits, uh, file all the forms, federal, state, and local, and then provide ancillary services, uh, HR, timekeeping, workers' comp, these kind of things that are integral to payroll. And uh, our, our unique selling propositions, we're compliance experts. As you said, you, in business, you're going to counter the IRS. 40% of all small businesses get penalized every year, and the penalty runs an average of $800. So if you weren't penalized year before last or last year, look out for it this year because you're probably due. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had once in my 25-year career uh, where, I, you know, I, I got audited by – it wasn't by the IRS, though. It was by the state. And, uh, it, you know, you back back then – uh, you know, the, the one thing that the state was looking closely at was uh, 1099s versus W-2s. It's yep. probably still an issue. Still. Uh, and, yeah, and, you know, it gets resolved. And, uh, you know, I think the first time – no, 
Yeah, well, that was an audit. So that, you know, the first time it, it happens, it kind of catches you by surprise, but, but, and it gets you unnerved. But the fact of the matter is, is if you've been in business long enough, you're gonna, you're gonna have some type of situation with either the state or the, uh, the, the federal government, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's going to happen. So to start off with, you know, what's a good way to, avoid getting, I know what the, your, uh, your simple answer might be, but what's a good way to just to, you know, make sure that you don't have any issues with the state and the IRS? Well, there's a few things that most problems with the service comes from. Make sure all your numbers are absolutely correct. Arithmetic errors is the biggest source of penalties beyond everything else. Things aren't added up right. Things don't calculate correctly. Uh, that, that, that first thing is make sure all your numbers are right. If you're not a numbers person, get a numbers person to do it. Next thing is make all your deposits timely. Uh, believe me, if you're two seconds late, there's a penalty. Okay, so you've got to be on time. There's no penalty for depositing it early other than cash flow, but just make sure you deposit everything on time. Make sure you file everything on time. If you don't file it on time, there's a penalty. You don't owe any taxes, but you owe penalties because you filed it late. You calculated it properly. You made all your deposits and you send in the report a day late. They hit you with a penalty. In in Texas, if you file your unemployment uh, penalty, your unemployment form a day late, it's a $50 penalty. You don't owe any taxes, but you still have to pay a penalty for being a day late. So those are the things you can do, first of all. Then if you get hit with a penalty, fight it. Now, if you look at it and you find you're wrong, just pay it and be done with it, okay? And frankly, if they hit you with a $10 penalty, just pay it. It's not worth fighting. Uh, Save your time for more important fights. But dealing with the IRS and the states, it's a whole series of no's followed by a single yes. So you appeal, you appeal, you appeal, you appeal, you appeal, and hopefully you will find somebody that's knowledgeable and understanding that can say, yeah, that makes sense. We'll go ahead and abate it. And when they do that, you say, thank you very much, and you get the hell out of there. (laughs) Don't argue with them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I I found that uh, the lesson I kind of learned a little bit was, you know, they they, they typically, if, if it's a larger amount of money, the typically they're going to want something. So, you know, they're going to want you to, it's better to settle for something to get it out of, get it behind you. I mean, I, I know it depends on how much it is, but I mean, that, that was my experience. What did you, what have you found? I understand the desire to settle. Uh, but if you're right, then fight for it. Uh, I had one, uh, it took nine years, literally. And in the end, that $95,000 penalty turned into a $500 refund because the IRS was wrong. And if they're wrong, you have lots of alternatives. And one of the things, the reason I became a U.S. tax court practitioner was for a $60 fee for a petition with the tax court, you get a whole nother bite at the apple. So after you've expend, you know, gone through all your uh, 
options with the IRS itself, and they're just being intransigent about the whole thing, and you know you're right, you can file a petition with tax court, fee $60, and if you're broke, they'll waive that. And you get a whole nother bite at the apple. And 95% of all U.S. tax court cases are settled before court. They immediately go to docketed appeals, and you get much more sophisticated people working on them that don't want to go to court. And that's where you, that, that, that may be where you settle, but you don't settle before then if you're right. Now, I will admit, I've had clients that are right and lose in the end. And so sometimes you have to weigh the cost of a settlement and say, it's not worth the time. And for a few hundred dollars, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's not worth fighting because it'll cost you time and stress and money and fees and everything else and drag on and, and, and hang over your head. So, yeah, there's times you settle. And there's times if it's big enough uh, or you're absolutely right and you've got the time, you fight it out because you always settle at the end. Yeah, I think the, the, the situation with me was I think – it wasn't that much money. It was only like 10 grand. And it was also, I think we were, my accountant was a little bit worried about, you know, uh, or maybe I, I, it was a long time ago that we were worried that they might, you know, dig in other areas of our business. And, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that too. yeah. So I, I think, you know, you know, and, and at the time that wasn't, that wasn't a lot. Of, it wasn't a lot of money to me. So we, we resolved that issue. And you know that there, sometimes there's a right and there's a wrong. And then there's the there's the gray period. And the, and the issues in regards to 1099s, you know, can be a very gray issue, Absolutely. you know. And so, and, you know, so I, I want I just I'm bringing that out to let all our listeners know that, you know, if you've been in business long enough, like I said earlier, you know, these things are going to come up. And then, you know, then we've gotten other issues where uh, we're just, you know, they sent letters saying we didn't pay our taxes, you know, for a different state. We did. We had to send them back a certification. So so let's address that. If if you get a letter from the IRS or you get a letter from the state, you know, what what are some of the things you definitely should do? Well, first of all, read the letter. Understand what they're saying. And if they're saying you didn't file a return and you did, Send them proof you filed it. They say you didn't make a deposit. Send them proof you, you made the deposit. If they say you didn't make a deposit and you realize you should have, make it and apologize. Okay? It happens. Uh, so read the letter and understand. And if they're wrong, again, fight it. But every letter you get, answer. You get a letter today. You write up your answer. You send it to them. And you get the same letter next week. Send them the same answer, market copy, put a cover letter with it saying, I've already answered this. Never ignore a letter from the Internal Revenue Service or from the state. It'll just get you into problems. Because some of the things go to a certain point, and if you haven't responded, you lose options. So don't lose those options. And if you don't understand what's going on with them, or you don't understand what you should do, get somebody who does. The IRS appears to prey on the, the ignorant because they're quoting law and regs and uh, internal revenue manuals and law that you don't know, and they act like they do. Sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. 
But if you get a professional that does this for a living, they'll know. And in many cases, when I deal with the Internal Revenue Service, I know more than they do because this is my life. The IRS is under budget. They're training budgets down. People move from department to department. And you may have somebody that came from international transfer pricing and comes into small business uh, employment tax, and it's his first week. And he doesn't know diddly at the moment because he hasn't been fully trained. He's still training on that area. And you get a, yeah. a CPA or an attorney that specializes in that and has been doing it for 30 years, uh, they'll run circles around him uh, and explain to him how it really works. And this is the law and quote him the law, quote him the regs, point him at the right section of the Internal Revenue Manual for him to look at and review with his boss and solve the problem. So don't ever give up. Always keep appealing, always keep fighting. Charles, I mean, have you had, is it common for people who have their own accountant already for their business to then kind of reach out to you because of your experience and your, your, your certifications? Absolutely. Because, okay, I, the accounting is a huge field. Taxation is a huge field. If somebody comes to me with an international transfer pricing issue uh, involved with the IRS, I don't handle it. That's not my bailiwick, okay? I, I, I send them to Price Waterhouse or somebody else that specializes in it. Our specialty is employment taxes. Uh, I'm a CPA and I've done personal and corporate taxes for many years, but we've really specialized in employment taxes over the last 20 years. So in that, you know, I'm, I'm a published author. Uh, I've been on the IRS Advisory Council. I've dealt with the commissioner and the commissioners of the various business divisions and their assistance, solving problems and making recommendations for the last three years. So I know these people. I deal with them. Uh, I work with them. I write on the subject. I speak on the subject. Uh, you know, I'm a, an expert on employment taxes. So uh, what do you think? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. That's fine. You know, I just I want to add, Charles, something, something you said. Um, you know, when we're when we're issuing a line, of, uh, approving a line of credit for somebody for a business, or for, we also do nonprofits. Uh, you know, we we're looking at uh, a variety of things, and you know, I there's there's two things I think people don't realize that really affect them. One is your credit score, your personal credit score. I think I don't think I think when you're younger, uh, you know, I'm 56. When you're younger, and I'm not talking about 18, I'm talking about 30, right? You don't realize the effect that your credit score has on everything that you do, right? You know, and but so does not paying your taxes. Because the IRS will file a lien and it shows up and you won't get that business loan you're looking for and you won't get that business line of credit. I don't care if it's through us or if it's through a bank or whoever it's through. Um, that will follow you forever, you know, until you pay it, of course. So, you know, there's, there's other ramifications of, you know, having an IRS 
issue in, in front of you. No, so let me ask you a question. The the IR, if you've been responding with the IRS in regards corresponding with the IRS in regards to an issue, um, they can't they they don't file a lien at that point, do they? There's certain points they file liens. The original communication is is mild and it gets worse and worse and worse. When you get the LT11 or notice of deficiency, and they've given you 30 days which sometimes they don't even honor the 30 days, uh, then you have a problem because they'll tell you, now, there'll be threats, uh, you know, we'll file a lien, you know, you're subject to levy and so on and so forth. But when they get really nasty, they'll say, you have 30 days to respond or we are going to file a lien against your property and, and money. At that point, uh, there's still some options. Uh, tax court, uh, a, a, a form 12153, which is a, uh, collection due process hearing. There's several other ways at that point to put a halt to those efforts, but you can't wait. At day 31, you're at options. Your option at that point uh, is you have two. You either have don't pay it and go to tax court, okay, and then you have to allege that the uh, letter of deficiency was uh, wrong and, and shouldn't have been sent. Because once it's sent, you don't reply to it, you lose options. The other thing to do is pay the taxes and then file for a refund and go to district court when they deny it. So never ignore that 30-day letter. That's, that's your, that is also your key to tax court. That gives you the right to file a petition with tax court, and that's when you do it. So uh, don't ignore the letters. The lien is, is, is a dreadful thing. And sometimes you'll find liens you don't even know about. It's happened. I've seen clients have come to yeah. me. I got this link. Yeah. I don't know anything about it. And you've never gotten a letter because addresses know. have yeah. changed and they're sending letters to an address and getting it back and they think you've skipped on them. So uh, if you're dealing yeah. with the IRS and you do change addresses, notify them in writing, certified mail. So they can't continue to send yeah. At that point, if, they, if you've notified them, you can prove it and they send a, a notice of deficiency to the last address and you don't get it and they file a lien, you have the absolute right to have that removed and start all over again. So don't don't try and play tricky with them. Uh, they've got buildings full of attorneys and collection agents, not floors, buildings. Yeah. You're not going to win uh, yeah. if, if you try to get snarky with them or, or try and get around them. Uh, you've got to fight them within certain parameters, and in, within those parameters, you can win, and you can win often. From a previous podcast here a few weeks ago, uh, afterwards, the, the the lady who had the podcast had a problem. Her ta- her son had a tax problem. They were after him for seventy three thousand dollars of income he hadn't reported. We got into it. Well, the ten ninety nine was for seven hundred thirty one dollars, not seventy three thousand one hundred dollars. So we had to send a letter and get with them, file a tax return because he was a teenager and he hadn't filed it then. And they were seizing his, his current tax return, his current tax refunds 10 years later because of that lien wow. that he didn't even know about. So, well, that, that brings up a really good point. And yeah, that brings up a good point to all our listeners. You know, if you, uh, if you haven't already, you should get your credit report. It's free. 
And, you know, there's two places where you can get it from. Freecreditreport.com is one of them. And then the other one uh, I personally use, it's called Credit Karma. And I really like Credit Karma a lot because every month they send me um, anything new that's on my credit report so that I can watch. And then, I mean, it's on a different subject matter, but all of you listeners out there, you know, it's so easy. You should lock down your credit report. And that way somebody can't uh, uh, apply for a loan. Someone can't do... uh, can't pull your credit unless you get you unlock it for them, and it's really easy to do. I know most people, you know, are like, "Oh, it's just another thing for my, me to do." But it just with all the fraud that goes on out there right now, it's really a good idea. And all you need to do is Google, uh, "How do I lock my credit report?" And you'll you'll need to do it with the three agencies that are out there. But I'm 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 telling you, I've done it. I had my my twenty year old twenty one year old son do it. My wife does it. Uh, we, it's just a smart thing to do. I know it's outside today's topic, but it's it's a you know don't be, don't you know take the time. It takes you ten minutes. Go do it. Um, what do you find that the state audits or the state issues uh, audits are di- are are different than the IRS audits? Yes, uh, but one thing real quick, Stephen. I use Credit Karma as well. Yeah, and it's free. Uh, yep. And I use it and I recommend it. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you on that and locking down your credit report. Absolutely. So all your mm-hmm. listeners, Stephen and I both agree on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. The state audits are different. They're normally easier to handle. You can actually talk to the people uh, that are involved in it at the state. They can be just as, as nasty and as, and ex- as expensive. But frankly, the state's to a certain extent, are easier to deal with. Now, in many cases, you're dealing with less sophisticated people uh, in the states. Uh, Mississippi and Arkansas come to mind real quick. Uh, And some of the states, uh, like New York, uh, are very hostile uh, to taxpayers and and dealing with their representatives. Uh, They just, they have a very hostile attitude, which surprises me, but and then states like Oregon were, are a pleasure to deal with. I, I call them, and if you know the, the the state ID number and the name of the company, they figure you have the right to talk to them, so they'll talk to you and, and give you the information you need to, to solve the problems. So, yeah, uh, they, are, they tend to be easier. They're not as codified. Uh, the law is not as complex. Uh, the manuals are not as, as voluminous. Uh, and the training is not as as uh, exhaustive. So yeah, it's it's a it's a different ballgame. What do you think that the top three areas are are of red flags that the let's the IRS will for a business will be most closely uh, concerned with? Well, a year and a half ago, I would have said one thing. Now, the uh, employee tax, the employee retention credit is going to be a huge fraud issue because the yeah. money is just absolutely incredible. Yeah. I have clients getting back credits for tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars, and the fraud is just going to be everywhere. 
the fraud with the PPP is going to be everywhere. Uh, the tax, the, the tax deferrals that were implemented late last year are, are going to be a problem. So those things are new and they're going to be looking at those next year and the year after and the year after. And there's going to be a lot, a lot of problems with that. Other than that, the red flags uh, tend to come down to uh, lack of filing, lack of paying. These are the things that, that get them going. Uh, the IRS will work with you as long as you're not climbing deeper into a hole. If you're climbing deeper into a hole, they'll come shut you down. Uh, they, won't, they won't hesitate. Um, so those are the problems. If you're not making deposits and still not making them, uh, they get very hostile. If you didn't make a deposit, but you're making current ones, they'll work with you. You know, that was a mistake. It was skipped. You were broke that day, whatever. They'll, they'll work with you. But if you're not making current ones, uh, they won't. So those are some of the areas you need to, to, to be careful of. Uh, other than that, uh, international. I, I know one of the. I'm sorry. I know the one, one of the things that we see often is, we see quite a number of smaller businesses that where the, you know, I'll use what my underwriters kind of say, he's using his business like a piggy bank is usually what they, they'll say. And which is they run all their personal expenses from their cable bill at home to their, to their food deliveries at home. And, uh, you know, they're, they're running uh, everything that they have through the business and expensing it through the business. Uh, when, when you see something like that as an accountant, uh, what, what do you usually tell your client? I tell them to stop. Don't no. do that. You, you, I, I show them, I carry four credit cards in my wallet, two are personal, two are business. Yeah, I do the same thing. Never meets. You never yep. put a personal expense on the, the corporate card. Because when they audit you for, for, for income tax and they go through that credit card and once they've gone through eight or 10 items and they're all business, they lose interest. But if they find two personal ones in that first 10, they're going to go through every single item, no matter how long it takes them. Same thing, you should have a separate uh, checking account for your business. You pay yourself out of that. You don't pay the mortgage. You don't pay the grocery store. You, you don't pay the car payment unless it's a corporate vehicle, on and on and on. There's ways to live in a deductible world, and I teach this to a lot of my clients, and there's ways not to. You want to make everything you can a business expense. Uh, one of my favorite stories is the accountant who loved Hawaii. So he put an ad in the local Hawaii paper for tax services, and he picked up a client. So he flew to Hawaii and did the taxes. And over the course of the next 20 years, he picked up a, a whole group of clients in Hawaii. So he spent every uh, late winter, you know, February, in Hawaii doing taxes. And it was all deductible because it was business. So there's ways to make it work, and there's ways to be, you know, the old Wall Street uh, axiom. Bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs get slaughtered. If you try to do that, you're going to get into trouble, and the IRS is going to take you apart and turn you into sausage. 
Yeah, and I think too, like in regards to that gentleman, that's a that's a great example of what you used. I think in that particular case, I mean, I think my business advice, not I'm not an accountant, but my business experience advice to that guy would be is you better be straight up and up about everything that you're doing as on all your expenses because you know that going to Hawaii and that bill and that you know all that stuff, you know. You know, if you're living in Texas and you're going to Hawaii, I can see where the you could send a red flag out there that might get caught up. So you better be accurate with all your other expenses. Agreed? Absolutely. There, there, another one was the, the doctor in Florida who had a fishing boat. And he loved to go fishing, deep sea fishing. And he took uh, clients and people who, other doctors who referred him clients. And the IRS said, no, this is a personal expense. He had a log of every other doctor he took out on a trip and how many patients they'd referred to him and how much revenue he had generated from that. Wow. And could show that a doctor that didn't refer clients didn't get reinvited. And when the court got done with it, they gave him all of it because he had proof of the business purpose of that expense. And that's the key, proof. If you can prove it, that it's a business expense, it's deductible, period. Whether the IRS likes it or not, if you can prove it, the court will give it to you in the end. So- Hey, Charles, if, I'm, I'm curious with, uh, with that, that guy. If, if you were ahead of the game before he became a doctor and you're his accountant and he tells you, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to take people out of my boat. I'm going to record it. I'm going to write everything down and do it like that. Would you have told him, go ahead? I'd have told him he's probably going to get audited and make sure that everything is in detail and provable (laughs) and you can prove it in court and you can bring these people in and get them to testify for you because you're going to get audited, but it's a legal deduction. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think 80% of the people would have been scared out of their minds to do it. And then 20% would be like, you know, certainly there's a lot of uh, anti-government. I'm going to go, I'm going to beat them. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if you're going to beat the government, but, uh, but I'm just, I was just curious in that regards. Now, if you're going to take the attitude, well, the IRS is not legal. Income taxes is not constitutional. And the court that has, fringe on a flag is not a U.S. court because that's not a legal flag. Uh, you're going to be like, uh, uh, what's the actor? Uh, Snipes. And yeah, end up in prison for several years. Okay. Yeah. Don't yeah. make frivolous arguments. The, the courts yeah. do not, they're going to penalize you more for a frivolous argument. They yeah. don't work. I don't care what you think. It's a waste of time, energy, effort, money. You're going to fail. You've got to have a legitimate deduction. Yeah, I like what you said. Proof. I like what you said early on in the podcast, and that is there's there's better battles to fight in you know in your business, in your life, you know, and then tend to really kind of go in that direction. Um what what do you uh when when you are uh what's it like going to tax court? It's fun. <laughs> Really? Fun for you. <laughs> fun, fun for me. 
you know, my, yeah. my lawyer, a whole thing years ago, explained to me that it was like going to court is like playing high stakes poker with somebody else's money. Yeah. Okay? So going to tax court is fun. It allows me to exercise skills and knowledge and certifications. Now, the, 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 it's fun. I find it interesting. I find it exciting um, because that's me. I, I'm a, I'm an old Marine. I, you know, combat, combat is not bad. It's, you know, it's fun. So, uh, and, and so far I haven't lost a case. Knock on wood. I will at some point, I promise you. But at the moment, our record is very, very good. So it, it's, yeah. it's fun. It's right here in Dallas. It's down at the federal courthouse. I don't have to go to D.C. or anywhere else. I can schedule my cases here uh, and heard by the, the visiting uh, tax court judge. Uh, you get to know the, the opposing counsel. Uh, and so that's it's, you know, if you got to get if you got to get to court, it's I find it. I find it exciting. So. What, what, what are the statistics uh, that a business will will that a businesses get audited every year. What, what is it? 1%? What, oh, what is it that. really? It, it's, it's a fraction of a percent. And if you're a small business, it's even smaller. If you're JC Penney's, uh, JC Penney's, when I worked for them, had two IRS agents. They had an office at headquarters and they were looking at stuff all the time, every day. That was their job was a continual audit of JC Penney's. <laughs> uh, so if you're a major corporation, you're audited all the time. If you're a small business, uh, your chances of audit are well under one percent. It's just that's that's life. It's it's not yeah. a, it's not a real threat, but they can get nasty if they get in there. And the problem also is if they get in there for one year and find something, they can go back and back and back and back. If they if they allege fraud, there is no statute of limitations on fraud. So they literally can go back the entire life of your business if they're alleging fraud. And I've seen them do it. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah. it's a terrible thing and very scary, very, yeah. very expensive to fight. So um, on to a different subject. I know that, you know, this is going to become a bigger issue with all the, uh, the accountants and stuff like that out there in businesses. We mentioned about the PPP program. Uh, what are some things right now that if you're a business owner and you got PPP money or EIDL uh, money or uh, or some of the other programs, what are some of the things you should make sure that you're that you're doing or your staff is doing or that your accountant's doing? What are some very important steps? Well, with the PPP, if you haven't already gotten the uh, the loan forgiven. You need to get all your paperwork in order and get it done. The first rounds from last year are already over, and, and it's, it's, it's passed. You need to keep that documentation because there's going to be audits on that. There is so much fraud. Uh, you can figure that there's probably going to be a PPP audit section that's going to go after a lot of these uh, PPP loan, and for loan forgiveness uh, because of the fraud. So make sure all your paperwork is in order. Uh, the current one, which is the uh, employee retention credit, which is ongoing at the moment still, you got to have your paperwork in order. There were certain qualifications you had to have to get it. You had to have so much uh, amount of lower business and so on. Be able to prove that 
because there's people that fudged and there's going to be audits because on that one, particularly on the employee retention credit, the money is huge and there's going to be audits probably for years on that as they go through it. And that audit program hasn't even been developed yet. Okay. And again, remember, if it's fraud, there's no statute. And if they allege fraud, they can go back forever. So beware. Yeah. Paperwork in order. You know, in my book, I talk about what you have to uh, have for record keeping for all the various agencies. And in reality, I just recommend you keep it all forever. Literally, you box it up and you seal it up and you put it in a, uh, a file someplace and you just keep it there. So 15 years from now, the IRS comes in and alleges fraud for that year. You pull out the box and you've got everything. You don't have to search for anything. You've got it all in that box. You just get in the conference room, you lay it out on the table and say, go for it, guys. Here it is. So, uh, you know, that's excessive. I realize that. It's beyond what the recommendations are. I realize that. <coughs> Excuse me. I have my personal tax returns. Uh, I, I, I box them up every year and all the records. And I probably go back 35 years. Uh, one time I moved and I threw away stuff that was over 20 years old. But you just keep it forever, guys. It's 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 worth the storage space. Believe me. Yeah. The, um, you know, I'm a little unclear on as to this. I, I did, had done some research on it a long time, a while ago, and uh, I thought I was accurate on it. And that is the PPP program. I don't know. Tell me how, if this doesn't make sense. And that is the PPP program is, is, is not 100% tax free. Because if even if you you know if you qualify under the program with the amount of employees that you had at the time that you kept them on staff you kept making payroll because it the the amount of money you got actually flows to your your income tax is your business's income tax is that accurate or no no it okay there, there was some problems when the when the PPP first came out, the rules were changing literally every day for months. Congress got into it, and they finally, uh, either early this year, uh, passed another law basically making the PPP tax-free. In the beginning, it wasn't. Uh, the IRS said, no, this is fully taxable. Okay? The Congress said, no, it's not. And the IRS said, well, fine. But the the expenses you use it for are not deductible. So it makes it taxable effectively. The Congress went back in and, and revamped the law to make oh. it non-taxable. Okay. So I filed okay. the taxes this year for my clients. The PPP was not on there, but all okay. the expenses were. So yeah, I it, get it. Now, yeah. I think when I wrote the article, they hadn't, Congress hadn't gotten involved with, um, I wrote a, a blog about it. Um, and now I get it. Uh, you know, unless you, you know, like you said, you don't produce the right documentation. So if you're an accountant and your client didn't, uh, doesn't show proof uh, that he kept his employees on, on, uh, then the accountant's going to put it on your income statement, correct? 
Well, what will happen is you won't get forgiveness from the uh, financial institution. Oh, so you won't get a letter. You'll and, be issued a 1099? It's, it's fully taxable. So will you, you, will you be issued uh, Will you be issued something from the government saying that it's not taxable? No, that's the problem. Oh. Uh, it, it, that's where the frauds, part of the fraud is going to come in and part of the audits are going to be is you're going to have to show that it was forgiven by your financial institution. They're not after you for the repayment of it. That's not going to cost them anything anyway. So they don't really care. If you don't pay it back, they get the, this money is just coming from the government through the banks and through the financial institutions. They don't have a risk. They get paid to make these. They, every PPP loan a bank made, they got, uh, I think, 2 to 5%, depending on the size of the loan, uh, to make the loan. And it wasn't really a loan. It was government money that ran through them. They don't care whether you paid it back or not, or whether whether you pay it back or whether it really was uh, dischargeable. They don't care. But somebody will at some point. Yeah, we actually start looking at it. We actually have competitors that um, that went out of business and then they came back out of business and they just processed the PPP loans. So it's, you know, kind of, it, it was, a, it saved them for a little time to regroup. It's just a side note. So, you know, I know one of the major, one of the major companies that is involved in, and we're talking, we're not talking about a small company. They, um, they, uh, a lot of people were complaining because they weren't getting documentation in regards to getting, you know, qualified for the PPP in regards to not getting, uh, you know, for it to be tax free. So, right. yeah. Um, good. So Charles, uh, you know, we have about a minute left. Is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with, uh, at, you know, you know, Taxes are a complex subject. Dealing with the IRS is complex. Most people who work for the IRS are good people. Be nice to them. Uh, be friendly with them. Uh, if you can't be, use an intermediary like me or, or, or someone else, uh, and you'll, you'll get farther because if you yell at them, they'll, they'll get nasty. So yep. they're, they're, they're real people. Uh, they're good people for the most part. They are civil servants, so there's no profit motive involved. But be, be, be nice to them. Be reasonable. And just if you got a problem, write letters, appeal, 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 appeal. Uh, and if you get the nasty guy on the phone and he's nasty to you, hang up, call back. You'll get somebody else, I promise you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll leave our listeners with this one story. Uh, I, a good friend of ours, a neighbor, uh, she was uh, walking. This is a personal more story, but she was walking into a tire store. And she went to hold the door open for a lady. And when the lady walked in, um, she, she fell. And um, the, the people came out from the tire store, helped her up. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, uh, the lady sued eat the tire store. But the lady also sued my friend for opening up the door. So... She got the, the, my, my friend who got the door all, uh, was opening up the door for the lady, uh, got all upset, right? Was really, really upset. And, and, and so, 
you know, what happened was uh, a friend of theirs is a lawyer and, and said to her, listen, you, it wasn't the lady who uh, sued her, sued my friends. It was actually the tire store, but they were only doing that to get everybody in the same room together. And it wasn't like, you know, that they had anything against my friend, the, the, uh, the, the tire store. They were just doing that to kind of get everybody together in the same room. And you know, I'm not saying there's altruistic motives here. I'm not saying that. But what I'm trying to say is don't get super duper upset if you get an audit. You know, it's part of business. You, you have to work the systems. Just like Charles said, you know, Charles, I think, you know, hit it right on, on the head. You just work the problem. You make sure you respond to them. You get a professional involved and don't lose sleep. It's just part of running a business. And, uh, and I think, you know, that's our, uh, our thought for today. I would say I usually I do it at the end, but, uh, it just happened to come up. So I would like to thank so very much Charles Reed from Get Payroll for coming on to today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. Charles, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they reach you? Getpayroll.com. My email is cjr at getpayroll.com. And if you really got to talk to somebody, 972-353-0000 and ask for Charles. Great. Charles, great job today. Thank you, Stephen. Pleasure to be here. And for our listeners out there, um, I tweet every day about business and business ideas based on the 25 years of experience in building six companies. I, uh, I, I tweet every day about something that I you know, thought about or know about. And my handle is at S Halasnik. That's just my name, which is S H A L A S N I K. And for all of you, I want to thank you for listening today and everybody have a fantastic day.